The video of the police killing of Tyree Nichols shocks the nation. This is Washington Week. Good evening and welcome to Washington Week. The nation is processing the disturbing video released by the city of Memphis tonight that shows the arrest that led to the death of Tyree Nichols. Nichols was a 29-year-old black man, a father, FedEx worker, photographer, and skateboarding enthusiast. He died from injuries on January 10th, three days after a police traffic stop. We're now going to play a portion of the video released tonight. The first part of the video taken was taken as Tyree Nichols was first arrested. He ran away from police. And the second part of the video shows police after they apprehended him again. We want to warn our viewers, this video is disturbing and it contains graphic material. You might get sprayed again. Hey. Hey, Mike. Hey, bro. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. That is just so hard to watch. And this is what we know so far. Earlier this week, five black Memphis police officers were fired, arrested, and charged with murder in connection with his death. Police claims Nichols was driving recklessly and that he was injured as they tried to detain him. Reports say the officers then delayed getting Nichols medical help. According to the Shelby County District Attorney, all five officers played a role in Nichols' death. They are charged with second-degree murder, aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, official misconduct, and official oppression. Attorneys for two of the indicted police officers have said their clients plan on pleading not guilty. All five of the officers have since been released on bond. And Nichols' family is reeling from his death. Here's his mother speaking to CNN today. I don't have my baby. I'll never have my baby again. They had beat him to a pulp. He had bruises all over him. His head was swollen like a watermelon. They broke his neck. I mean, it's just incredible and sad to hear her talk about her son's injuries. Um, in anticipation of its release, this video's release, Memphis Police Chief C.J. Davis and FBI Director Christopher Wray, well, they described the video. You're going to see um, a disregard for life. I have seen the video myself, and I will tell you, I was appalled. I'm struggling to find a stronger word, but I will just tell you I was appalled. Major law enforcement agencies around the country are on high alert, bracing themselves for reaction to the video. Some protests are already underway. And joining me tonight to discuss this and more, Julia Baker, a reporter for The Daily Memphian. Wesley Lauer, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist who has reported extensively on policing and race. He's also the author of the book, They Can't Kill Us All, Ferguson, Baltimore, and a New Era in America's Racial Justice Movement. And joining me here in studio, Claudia Grizelis, is a congressional correspondent for NPR, and Ed O'Keefe, senior White House correspondent for CBS News. So, Wesley, I want to start with you. I, I, I almost don't have the words 
after watching the video to, to talk about this, but I'm gonna try as we are all, I'm sure, watching this video with heavy hearts. What did you see that sticks out to you as someone who unfortunately, along with me, has watched videos like this where we've seen people get beaten by the police? What sticks out to you as you watch this video? Of course, a lot of things stick out uh, to me as I watch this video. As you know, Mish, you and I have been on the ground in many cities um, after the release of videos like this, have spent time with a lot of families like Tyree Nichols's. And so, of course, um, it's understandable that there's emotion that's evoked when you watch something like this. Um, and in some ways, I think it's important to note and underscore as horrific as many of the images here are, we have seen many videos like this. Uh, this isn't particularly terrible or particularly bad, um, not in any way to take away from the horrific images. but. What we see in these videos, two of them captured by body cameras of the officers, another captured by a surveillance camera, is we see what was a traffic stop, according to the police, for reckless driving quickly escalate. We see Tyree Nichols get pulled from his car. We see multiple officers uh, pepper spraying him and uh, and uh, tasing him um, as he attempts uh, to say that he's already on the ground, they can have his hands, uh, there, there's a struggle. Um, we hear repeated escalations from the officers, threats of physical violence. Um, if he doesn't comply, we hear what happens very often in these cases, contradictory instructions. So lay down, roll over, show us your hands, put them up, put them down. And eventually Tyree Nichols gets away. And, and that's where uh, the surveillance uh, camera really comes in, where we see from above images of uh, Tyree Nichols uh, handcuffed or appearing to be handcuffed, being held by multiple officers as other officers kick him, it seems, in the head um, and then, you know, throw wild punches at him as he's standing. I mean, this does seem um, extremely excessive uh, is probably an understatement is almost too neutral of a way to describe it. Um, and at almost no point, I actually think at no point, I obviously have only gotten to see the videos once or twice since they just came out. It's hard to to point to any moment in these videos where Tyree Nichols represents a threat to these officers. Uh, he does not appear to be fighting them in any active way. As we know, he was not armed with anything. Um, but again, at the point at which he's handcuffed and being held by multiple officers, we see kicks to his head and haymaker punches. Uh, and I think that those are clearly the reason that these officers have been fired and charged uh, with the serious crimes that they've been charged with. And Leslie, I want to stick with you because there's something that people have been talking about all week, um, which is the fact that the officers are black. And we know, as people who cover policing, frankly, that racial bias doesn't mean that you can't have racial bias if you're an African-American police officer. But break down for people who are wondering, how in the world do black officers do this, frankly? And what, what is this culture of policing that Ben Crump, who is the attorney for the Tyree Nichols family, is talking about that is part of the reason why Tyree Nichols, unfortunately, is, is not with his family tonight? Of course. Well, first of all, and obviously this is still early, there's going to be more reporting and there are great journalists already doing some of that reporting. But this was a set of officers with the Scorpion unit, which was a specialized unit started recently in Memphis. Uh, Memphis is one of the cities that's seen an uptick in violence in recent years. There's a lot of concern about crime. And this was one of the units that was set up especially to go target uh, they call it hotspot policing, the types of places where crime rises. We see this uh, playing out in cities across the country where they say, well, we can focus very heavily on certain places. But what we see very often with these specialty units is this type of impunity. Um, it's notable, uh, frankly, that, and again, I, I've only seen the video once or twice, but it appears these officers, at least the primary officer who perhaps conducted the traffic stop, is wearing a hoodie 
not even a full uniform. Uh, it appears that he's in an un unmarked car that just looks like a Dodge Charger or some other type of car like that. Um, but we also see this hyper aggression from these officers. Uh, it's unsurprising to me that the officers involved here are black. Um, uh, what we know is that policing, in the way it trains, in the way it uh, staffs, and how it resources, uh, very often structures a dynamic where it is an us versus them. As, as we see, right, there's very little in this video that leads us to believe that the men who were out there that night were concerned about the public safety. There wasn't a threat to the public safety. It's very hard to point to a moment in that video and go, well, this is the point where in order to keep the rest of us safe, Tyree Nichols needed to be treated this way. This was a traffic stop for, I believe, reckless driving, although city officials have said they, they're not even sure they can substantiate that there was a valid reason to stop him in the first place. And we see escalating violence time and time and time again. I'll just say, again, I'm, I'm not surprised that the officers here were black because when we talk about race and policing, we talk about the way black men, black women, black people are perceived and the way they are perceived by all of us. And so anti-black racism, uh, the idea of thinking of black men and women as prone to violence, as dangerous, as bigger or stronger or, or, or more insidious than they really are, is something that can infect all of our minds. Um, and black people are not immune from that as well. And so what we see very often, and I know I have friends who say this to their kids when they have the talk, right, that that when you see a police officer, they're not white or black, they're blue. And, and police will often say that themselves, me meaning something a little different. But in this case, what we saw here were agents of the state enacting severe violence against a man who, again, from what we can tell, did not seem to be posing much of a threat to them. Uh, such important points, Wesley. Um, Julia, you're, of course, in Memphis. You have been covering this case. Tell me about your reaction to seeing this video and whether or not it's some insight, there, it, you gain some insight into why this case moves so quickly because it's been less than a month and these officers have been fired and they are now charged with murder. Right. Um, you know, you don't see these cases move through the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation very, uh, investigation very often. Um, you're right, it's very uncommon to see that. Um, but you can certainly see why, um, you know, he was pulled out of the police car. He didn't seem to pose a, you know, violent threat to these officers. Um, and, you know, I, I, one thing that popped out to me was um, for somebody who was just reckless driving, why did he need so many police officers? Um, and then towards the end, you know, he's, he's laying there, um, you know, you could see his face and it's, obviously not good and these officers don't seem to um, have much of a reaction and neither do the um, paramedics and um, two of the, those two paramedics are also under investigation in the fire department right now um, and you know people in Memphis are you know they're upset about it and you know even if it's it doesn't matter the color of the officer um, what matters is, you know, we don't need this police brutality. And while crime is going up in Memphis, um, you know, do we really need the, this hotspot policing? Um, and that's something that our local government is really considering right now. Um, the Scorpion Unit is currently inactive uh, since, since this incident happened. Uh, we don't know if it's going to come back, but we do know that it is inactive right now. So I think that's an indication that we are kind of reconsidering these hotspot policing methods.
Definitely a lot of questions there in Memphis. I also want to point out that today, President Biden spoke to the family of Tyree Nichols and told them that he will be pushing Congress to pass the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. Of course, that's named after George Floyd, who was killed in the summer of 2020. That officer who killed him is in prison for murder. Here's more of what President Biden said on the White House lawn. What's at stake is, uh, first of all, innocent people lives, number one. Number two, uh, it has a lot to say and do with the image of America. It has a lot to do with whether or not we are the country we say we are, that we're a country of law and order and means by which we can peacefully protest, and let the courts make the judgment. So, Ed, you, there you heard the president talking about this. Uh, tell me a bit about what you think and what you hear, rather, is going on in the White House, his thinking, and, of course, your reaction to this video as you've been reporting on it. Yeah, well, I, what I was struck by was how I think a lot of us who cover these issues learned that law enforcement at all levels across the country started getting the details of this a few days ago as a heads up. Um, and it's been compared, at least in my shop, to the way governors and mayors and emergency management officials prepare and sometimes over-prepare now for natural disasters in the wake of Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Sandy. In essence, a call went out to major city police forces across the country, this is bad, this is the worst of our line of work, and it's going to cause problems, you need to prepare. Federal authorities began getting those briefings yesterday. The White House held a meeting around 10 a.m. Thursday to talk about this. The president was told about it. And tonight, shortly after the video was released, he, he issued another statement saying, again, he's outraged by what he saw, and he knows how exhausting and terrible this is, especially for black and brown Americans. But there are various roles a president plays, right? You're commander-in-chief, you're a legislative negotiator, you're a comforter-in-chief. And I was struck today when he said, I spoke to the mother, and I told her there's very little I can do other than to push Congress to try to get this legislation that they tried and failed to pass before through. He may be limited to simply being the comforter-in-chief and a guy who can call out what this video shows is just really bad policing. Uh, cops who just seemed totally incapable of doing the job from the basic uh, task of trying to arrest somebody and hold them in place to chasing them down and to just the way they treated this guy. He was treated no better than an animal, and it's just terrible to watch. And we're paid to watch it, and, right. you know, we, we have to process it. Americans and viewers watching don't have to if they don't want to, but you need to know. It was, it's terrible, uh, and it's the worst of policing, and it's going to cause yet another raucous and, and royal debate in this country about how policing should be conducted. And, and, and the footage is just indisputable. And the fact now, too, that they have that overhead surveillance shot that Wes talks about, that is the clearest example. And all I thought when I saw it is the contrast between that and what happened to Rodney King all those years ago is almost no difference. Yeah. And that's what's so troubling to police officers who'd seen this earlier this week and began warning everybody to prepare for the reaction. And, and Claudia, this is troubling. Um, and the debates that Ed is talking about are, of course, going to come to the halls of Congress where you spend your time reporting. Right. So what are you hearing from lawmakers? Is there any potential, especially with Republicans covering, controlling the House and Democrats controlling the Senate, that there could be a sort of move on policing um, in terms of legislation here? 
Yeah, I think Ed raises a really good point in terms of President Biden perhaps being in a position of just being comforter-in-chief for this, because Congress is in a very difficult position right now in terms of divided government and trying to address legislation at this scale that would go into policing. We saw the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act only get through the House last year, and this is as Democrats controlled both chambers, but too narrow a margin and set in the Senate to move it there. We did see South Carolina Republican Tim Scott try and push forward his proposal to try and raise the standards, incentivize these local police departments to do better, to try and train better, and avoid these kind of tragic situations. But when we come back to the George Floyd legislation, for example, this is what President Biden said he will ask Congress to revisit. This is an issue that I could see coming up at the State of the Union address next month, where mm -hmm. he could plead with members, please rethink what can you do here? Is there a bipartisan path? And so one key detail to remember there, one of the key architects of that legislation was Karen Bass. She is now the mayor of Los Angeles. It's just another reminder of the folks who are missing who could help try and push this kind of legislation through. But even so, we we have House Republicans in charge in that chamber. It's going to take a lot of work to try and get on the same page when it comes to reaching some sort of consensus to address this horrific video we've it's, seen tonight. It's certainly going to take a lot of work. And, and, and Julia, I want to come back to you because I almost want to go back to Memphis for a bit to talk about who these police officers were. There's some reporting that you said that, that one of them might have been involved in, in another po possible tr troubling incident. Talk to us about your reporting there. Um, one of the officers, Demetrius Haley, uh, was formerly a corrections officer at um, our county uh, division of corrections. Um, in 2015, allegedly, he um, and two other corrections officers um, did something similar with an inmate. Um, the inmate filed a lawsuit in 2016, um, alleging that these three officers um, punched him in the face, and another officer slammed his head into a sink. And um, he went unconscious after that. So, um, you know, it's interesting that this, it seems that the same MO is kind of there that we see in this instance. Um, and as far as the other officers, I'm not really sure if they have, um, you know, any past brutality. The local law enforcement hasn't heard of it. Um, so I think it, it could just be Demetrius Haley. But um, that lawsuit got dismissed. So we're, you know, he was able to get hired by the police department and we know this is happening and wesley uh, as soon as this happened and i started doing a deep dive into this i thought about your reporting on the fact that police officers often move to different um, law enforcement agencies if a bad cop gets fired he can get hired somewhere else how does that play into the culture of policing um and frankly bad policing of course, it's very difficult to fire and get rid of a police officer. We talk very often about the difficulty in charging and convicting a police officer. But police internal affairs, police HR, is very complicated. It's very messy. And what we see very often is in cases where officers are fired, they're able to successfully get their job back. I did a project a few years ago with Kimberly Kelly and Stephen Rich, my colleagues at The Post, and we looked at major cities and what we found was something like six out of 10 fired police officers. So these are police officers who are so bad the police don't think they should be police. Six out of 10 of them are able to get their jobs back. That's not even going to another department. That's not even moving down the street. That's going back to the place that has fired them. 
Beyond that, though, we very often see fired police officers who are able to get hired in other departments. And so this happens very frequently. Um, I think one thing that's notable here is the speed with which these officers were fired and charged. Some of this is due to the specific way that laws work in Tennessee and the way the union contracts govern Memphis. There are some departments, some states, where they wouldn't have even been able to take statements from these officers yet, uh, where you have seven days, in some case 30 days, before you're allowed to even speak to an officer who's charged, who's involved in an incident like this. And so again, I think some of the speed we're seeing here, uh, I certainly understand why people you know, want to give credit to uh, the elected officials for what they're doing. And I, and I think there, there are reasonable points to be made where it's night and day from the way these things were handled by local governments not even that long ago, five or 10 years ago. But what is also true when we start trying to compare case to case, right, the officials in Shelby County, Tennessee and in Greater Memphis have a totally different set of tools at their disposal than, say, the officials in Baltimore after Freddie Gray's death, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think that's something to keep in mind as well, is that everything that governs how this stuff plays out is local police union contracts, uh, local collective bargaining agreements, local state laws and, and city ordinances, um, and all of that factors into how any one of these given cases is going to be handled. And so what we're seeing now is empowered and enabled, um, in some ways, is specifically retrofit to the rules in Memphis. And so while there are some things that might people might perceive as working in the favor of accountability, next week or, or, or as the trial possesses, we might see some other quirk that people think works in the opposite direction. And so Wesley, just, I, I, I want to ask you another quick question, which is, and it's not that quick, but I want to ask you this question, which is, we don't know how many other Tyree Nichols there are officially because you want a Pulitzer for making a database at the Washington Post, tracking the way that people are killed by the police, but we don't have an official number. Um, as we wrap up here, could you just quickly in a minute or so tell people, explain to people that we, won't, we don't know officially from the government how many people could also be out there and, and have the same fate? Of course, we, we have no real idea. The, the best counts of how many people are killed by the police are kept by journalists and citizen journalism efforts, uh, mapping police violence, my colleagues at The Post and the Fatal Force database. But even then, that is work that has to be done to compile it department by department, case by case. And most of those might not. I mean, I know our database at The Post wouldn't include Tyree Nichols because we look specifically at people who are shot and killed by police. Oh, wow. I think the second thing beyond the data, and I'll be real quick about this, is let's just think for a moment about how we would have perceived this incident if there was no video if all we had was the police account of what happened. Now think for a second moment about how we would have perceived this if we only had the body camera video. And now think about what we can see because of the surveillance video. And so when we ask the question about how many more Tyree Nichols are out there, it's not even just the counting, that's certainly a big part of it, but it's the idea that there are so many police encounters where all we have is the police version of what happened. And we know in a case like this, listening to the police version of what happened it would have left us with different idea of what happened than what we can now see with our own eyes. And Ed, jump in here. I know you I, I just, what I think is also telling in this video, in addition to the wide angle that we get by virtue of the surveillance camera, these guys in essence are showing us their work. And part of what's, what we hear and see now is after they beat him, they start comparing notes with each other. Oh, oh he tried taking my gun. Talking about how they, more than one of them felt compelled to use paper, pepper spray and tasers. Why? But you could almost see them uh, bragging and right. also maybe fabricating elements of what had just transpired on the videos that we now see. Yeah. So right. the evidence there 
laid out against these officers is just so clear thanks to this footage. And, and it's a reminder that there's so many other incidents like this we just don't see. Right, Claudia, in, our, in the minute a, we have left here. Right, there's a moment we see an officer tying his shoe. And that's a moment where they should be rendering aid. This yeah. man is against this vehicle. We cannot tell if he's alive, he's dying. What's going on? And they're, as you're saying, the tone is, is as if they're bragging. It's, it's utterly tragic, but it's something we all need to know about. Yeah, and it's a reminder that we're living in a country where this can happen, Claudia. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, we have to leave it there. But thank you so much to our panel for joining us and for sharing your reporting. Don't forget to watch PBS News Weekend on Saturday for the latest on the death of Tyree Nichols. And finally, I have to say this, my heart goes out to the family of Tyree Nichols and those who loved him. God bless you. Fun peace. And I wanted to say, go. my heart also goes out to everyone across our nation who has watched this video or will watch this video. It's important to watch it. it but I want to just say, brace yourself. I'm Yamisha Sendor. Good night from Washington.